you are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So I say D, I say D-O, D-O-D, D-O-D-G, D-O-D-G-E-R-S, team, 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 team. Yo, 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 Dodger fans, welcome to Locked On Dodgers. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one local sports daily podcast network. Locked On, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Had a banana nut bread Built Bar this morning before my workout. Felt great, tasted great. And you can get $10 off your first box with the promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. This is a daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Dodgers, bringing you the smart fans' perspective on our boys in blue. I'm Vince Samperio of Chavez Ravine Fiends, back again with Jeff Snyder of Baseball Essential. Jeff, how are you doing? I'm doing very well, Vince. How are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm good as well. Uh, they opened the beaches back up in L.A. so you can go exercise on them, so I got to you know, go take a walk on the beach earlier, so I feel I feel great. Well, good. Yeah, so today we are going to get into a little more talk about the latest on MLB's plans and a couple more player comments, and then we put out a call for questions. We got a few questions, so we'll take some time answering those as well. But before that, a quick reminder to subscribe to Locked On Dodgers wherever you get your podcasts, and when you get in your car or if you're at home, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On Dodgers. All right, Jeff, so... We talked about the players, uh, Blake Snell and, and Trevor Bauer, making their thoughts known on a, a the revenue-sharing plan that's been floating around. Bryce Harper uh, commended Snell for making the comments and basically backed him up. And then Trevor Bauer expanded on his point on Twitter, kind of putting it into terms uh, that maybe more people could understand. You got any thoughts on, on any of that? Yeah, just summarizing Bauer's point, he said, imagine you were a painter and you signed a contract agreeing to be paid a certain amount for painting an apartment building. And then half the apartment building burns down and it's not your fault and it's not the owner of the apartment building's fault, but just as a show of good faith, you renegotiate the contract to only do only get paid half the amount since you only have to do half the work, uh, which is what Major League Baseball has done with the Players Union a month or two ago, they agreed to only get paid for the games that they played. Uh, and then Bauer's next point is, but then the owner comes back and says, oh, uh, I'm also going to have trouble renting out these ones, so uh, I want to pay you less. And it's even worse. I just want to pay you a percentage of what I make in rent, but I am not going to tell you how much I make in rent. You just have to take my word for it. Uh, and that, you know, Trevor Bauer is a very smart guy. He's sometimes la- lacking in common sense, but he's never lacking in intelligence. And it's a really, really good analogy. And, and yeah, you know, we've talked about this several days in a row now. Uh, but the the players agreed to take a prorated salary in good faith and that's as far as they should be expected to go uh, because, you know, as we've talked about, the risk in this case falls on the business owner. That's why they have the benefit of making the big money when business is good because they're taking the risk. So, uh, yeah, I I like what Bauer had to say and uh, isn't always the case, but he knows what he's talking about in this this situation. Speaking on the owners as well, 
Rob Manfred spoke and said, well, first off, he said that that uh, MLB could lose up to $4 billion if there is no season. You know, that's a lot of money, so they're going to try to play, but obviously they have to make the deal with the players' union, and that remains to be seen. But the bigger point from it is that you know, the big talk is if, okay, what if a player gets it, you know, or a few players get it, are they going to have to stop the season and, and then possibly restart again or whatever it is? And Manfred said that at this time, you know, players will be tested multiple times a week with 24-hour turnaround results, courtesy of a laboratory in, in your state, Utah, Jeff. Um, if a player tests positive, the sport need not shut down. Uh Manfred said our experts are advising us that we don't need a 14-day quarantine for those exposed. What we'll do is a positive individual will be removed from the group. There will be a quarantine arrangement in each facility in each city. And then they will be in contact with that individual and do testing until they are uh, no longer positive. But uh, they have to get two negative tests after they test positive. So, um, you know, that's kind of where it's at right now. They... Other than that, uh, no, nothing really else from Manfred. Uh, but yeah, Jeff, what do you think? What do you think about that? Yeah, a couple notable things on that. Um, you know, the fact that they're not just doing a straight 14-day quarantine; it would be continue to test the person regularly, and you know, as soon as he's tested negative twice, then he's good to go. Because you have to think that the incubation period probably isn't always 14 days. And so somebody could test positive and be back within five or six days, maybe, you know, obviously if they get sick from it, it might be longer, but if they're, I assume the asymptomatic people also have it for a shorter duration. Uh, so that was interesting to me. Uh, it really does raise the question of obviously somebody's going to test positive. It's just going to happen. And knowing what we know about how contagious this can be at times, it's really easy to picture 12 guys on one team testing positive within a few days of each other. And, you know, do you really, uh, you know, they're talking about having a taxi squad of, of 20 prospects or whatever. Uh, but do you really want to say, okay, Dodgers, you know, since this is a Dodgers podcast, we'll do the Dodgers as the hypo hypothetical you know what, instead of Cody Bellinger, Mookie Betts, and Max Muncy, and Justin Turner, and Corey Seager for the next 7 to 14 days, you have uh, DJ Peters and uh, Zach McKinstry, uh, you know, all, all these guys who are, yeah, they're, they're, they're solid prospects, but they're not <laughs> former MVPs or potential future MVPs necessarily. And so uh, you kind of just, cross your fingers and hope that there's not a breakout on any team like that. An outbreak, I guess. Breakout's a good thing. Outbreak's a bad thing. That's funny. It's the same word, just reversed. Anyway, um, you hope there's not an outbreak on any particular team because that could really, really hit a team hard, especially in an 82-game season where every game counts. You know, if the Dodgers missed half their, you know, all their good players for eight games, that's a tenth of the season. That's a big deal. So, uh, Obviously, there's potential for that, but I don't know. It, it's kind of what you have to do to play baseball, I guess, until until there's something, a vaccine or whatever for this. If you're going to try to play baseball, that's the risk you take, I guess. Yeah, and that's really the only 
way the only way there's gonna be baseball in 2020 is if you know it's risk management or risk you know however you want to word it uh it, it takes on risk and that risk is players getting sick and like i said multiple players getting sick uh you know I, the one thing is if there is a, a good team that does lose a couple players and you know maybe doesn't make playoffs or some or you know gets a lower seed and maybe they would have been the one seed like that's the where you get into and it doesn't really matter in the, in the grand scheme but that's where you get into like kind of the murky waters of of an asterisk on this season you know let's say a bunch let's say one team loses a bunch of guys right before the playoffs and goes into the playoffs with you know kind of a b squad uh and, and they were one of the top teams or like a dodgers type or a yankees type or whoever it is uh but i know that that's like I said that's just the risk they have to take and every team w- would be taking kind of the similar risk uh obviously teams like in, you know in california new york some of the bigger ones that have had uh you know more people and more population if they do end up playing there they might take a little more risk if you know it's still hard to completely quarantine in a city like that but we'll see how it goes uh you know mlb is seemingly they're the, they're the ones that are doing a lot of research they have put out a lot of stuff um you know of what kind of research they're they're looking into and what kind of the plans are a lot of stuff's been leaking so we'll see where it goes. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, most baseball teams play in at least somewhat large cities. And so, you know, even if they don't quite have the issues that New York is facing, it's going to be it's going to be an issue. It's going to come up. Yeah. All right. We are going to take the questions that you guys provided us. But real quick, let's talk about Built Bar. We've been talking about Built Bars. If you haven't put in your order yet, I don't know what you're waiting for. Built Bars are great tasting. Uh, kind of like a protein candy bar, uh, if you really want to look at it that way. But without all the health uh, defects or the bad health that comes with eating a candy bar or even with eating some other protein bars. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. They got a lot of great flavors. They have a lot of different flavors. That's kind of the, you know, if you're a mint chocolate guy, they got that. If you're a raspberry cream chocolate guy, they got that. If you're a, you know, banana nut bear, like I said earlier, they got that peanut butter they got that they got pretty much any flavor you could think of uh with chocolate which is uh you know a welcome added flavor to a protein bar and they're much healthier than any other protein bar out there i mean some of these bars range from 110 calories to like 170 calories which is pretty much nothing if, if when it comes to a protein bar especially when you're getting 15 to 20 grams of protein and only three grams Three, four, five grams of sugar or carbs. So, built bars are what you need in your life if you are one that eats protein bars. And even if you don't, there's you can go and try them. And right now, you can get ten dollars off your first order with the promo code Locked On at builtbar.com. That's promo code Locked On for ten dollars off at builtbar.com. And keep it locked on, Dodgers. All right, Jeff, so we've been doing what ifs, and uh, I alluded to the one that I'm doing today a little while, uh, what, two days ago, and uh, it's another guy that the Dodgers drafted, weren't able to sign, he ended up uh, going to college, signing late, or getting drafted and signing with another team later, and kind of was a thorn in the Dodgers' side for a little bit, and that's Paul Goldschmidt. Paul Goldschmidt was drafted by the Dodgers. In the 49th round of the 2006 MLB draft, which 49th round isn't even, well, especially this year, but uh, the draft's only 40 rounds now, so that that round doesn't even exist. 
obviously, you know, it, it, a guy drafted in the 49th round, him not signing is not that surprising. He did go on to Texas State University and then was drafted by the D-backs in the 8th round in 2009. Uh, but just, you know, c- comparing some timelines, uh, Goldschmidt came up in 2011, did all right in about 50 games. 2012, he did better. Uh, 145 games and then it was 2013 was kind of his breakout year he he led he led the league in in a few things in home runs rbi slugging percentage ops Uh, and then ever since then he's just kind of been pretty great when healthy uh 2014 had a little bit of an injury but but thinking about it in that timeline the dodgers traded for adrian gonzalez in 2012 i and that's kind of when Goldschmidt was just an okay first baseman, uh, you know, maybe a step above James Loney. And I don't know if, if this, if let's just say they had Goldschmidt, similar timeline, he gets up and he's the same player in 2012. I don't know if he's enough to deter the Dodgers from trading for Adrian Gonzalez. And I'm wondering if he would maybe be a piece in that trade to get Adrian Gonzalez. I don't know, you know, depending how he developed or, or anything, or maybe he developed a little faster. Uh, with the Dodgers uh, having, you know, them having him since 18, and maybe he's up at 21 or 22 instead of 23, 24. But, yeah, I mean, if at the end of the day, if they did have a, a guy like Coach Manny still came as a prospect and, and came up to that level, you got to imagine that the, the those Dodgers would have been a little different, and especially the Dodgers – of now that on the run of of all these division titles they might have had you know paul goldschmidt in the middle of the order so just another thing to think about about guys that the dodgers have drafted that uh didn't end up signing yeah other guys who went to texas state university none of whom were drafted by the dodgers uh 36 president of the united states linda b johnson who was also the first president to establish his presidential library at a university but he did not put it at texas state university it's at the university of texas in austin also, George Strait, my second favorite country singer, also went to Texas State University, also not drafted by the Dodgers. Uh, but called Paul Goldschmidt was, uh, but he was never a Dodger yet. It's true. But, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see about that. All right, so we had we had put out a call for questions. We got a few questions. Uh, I know it's hard to think of questions that we haven't already discussed or anything, really, since we don't know what's going on. Uh, but we'll go with this one from At Blinding Wave. He asks, if there's a universal DH this season, which Dodger do you think would fit the role best? We talked about the universal DH the other day, but we didn't necessarily get into this. So, Jeff, uh, who's, who would be the Dodgers' ideal DH? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I think Chris Taylor would be one of the main beneficiaries of the DH because he would get more playing time. But I don't think it makes sense for him to actually be the DH because he has so much defensive value. And so really, if, if they play with the DH this year, I see a lot of, you know, some of the lesser defensive outfielders like Jock Peterson, A.J. Pollock. It's funny that we're referring to Jock Peterson, A.J. Pollock as lesser defensive outfielders because, you know, four or five years ago, they were both really good defensive outfielders. And uh, now they're just not, you know, they're not terrible, but they're not great. Uh, so I could see them, obviously, Matt Beatty, who has told us, and others that uh, the position he's most comfortable playing is left-handed batter's box. And so he's a guy who you could see getting a lot of DH time. Uh, you know, 14 months ago, I would have said Max Muncy, but Muncy turned himself into a valuable defender 
Um, yeah, so I, I think the Dodgers would just add the DH to the rotation of bouncing guys around. You know, Justin Turner would probably get quite a few starts at DH to to get little breaks. Um, I think pretty much everybody would get time at DH, even Cody Bellinger, despite all his defensive value. I could see him getting once every two weeks a start at DH just to give his legs a rest a little bit. Um, and so I think the Dodgers would probably have one of the lowest percentages uh, or the whatever I'm trying to say, a least regular DH in this situation in the National League. Yeah, yeah, they definitely would use it as a spot to rotate in and out. I guess, you know, if you had to go with a prototypical DH type, like I said, Max Muncy fits the type from a hitting perspective. He did, you know, raise his defensive value a lot last year at second base and at first base. Um, You know, moving him off first base, even to get Cody at first base, makes your outfield defense worse. So you kind of got to keep him there. Um, I saw, I don't remember if it was anyone uh, or any or just seeing it on Twitter, you know, Justin Turner being floated out there. He did lose a step on defense last year, but I don't know if the Dodgers have anyone that could capably step up and be that much better defensively at third base. You know, Kike and Taylor could maybe hold it down um, if need be, but, you know, I don't think Turner – I don't think Turner was that bad last year in order to move him off completely. So, like I said, it, it would be kind of what the Dodgers always do, just rotating guys and getting probably 10 start or well, maybe like five, five to seven starts uh, per person at DH in a, in a rotating way. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's probably the way they'd go about it. Yeah, I think so. Uh, all right, our next question Um Let's do our pal Brandon Johnson at Brandon John 442. He asks, what kind of deal do you think Mookie Betts signs this coming offseason? Yeah, this is an interesting one because we've we've seen some rumblings um, that maybe the owners might take some of this year's losses out on the players uh, next year in free agency. And we, as we all know, Mookie Betts will be a free agent after this year. So it's very possible that that $300 million deal market isn't out there for Mookie after this season. And that while the, while the Dodgers seem to be ready to pay a lot of money for Mookie, uh, they were willing to to spend on Cole. He didn't end up signing. The Andrew Friedman made it seem like you know this deal wasn't just to have Mookie for the year. It was to, you know to have him for this year and and hopefully in the future. So I don't I don't know. It, it's hard to say. I could see him signing like a one year forty fifty million dollar deal and trying to wait another year to for the market to reset a little bit. I could see him sign a three or four year lucrative deal with the Dodgers that the Dodgers might like because they don't you know have money on the books for that long. Or I could see a team getting crazy and and still offering them that that eight to ten year deal you know for two hundred fifty to three hundred mil. Uh, any of those, I, I know it sounds like a cop out, but we really don't know what the situation is right now. But I could very easily see him signing a three or four year deal for about thirty to forty million a year with the Dodgers, uh, and just kind of you know taking the big payout and, and hoping that he's still good in four years and that the market's better in four years for him. 
Yeah, it's hard to say at Mookie's age because he's not quite as young as like Bryce Harper and and Machado, uh, Manny Machado were, and so you know a, a four-year deal for for Mookie would be a little bit less. I I actually thought Harper might go for the four-year deal because he could hit free agency again at age thirty. You know, but for Mookie, it would be what thirty-two-ish because he. Yeah, he's 27, so he'll, he'll turn 28, you know, at the end of this season. And so if he signed a four-year deal, he would be turning 32 at the end of that deal. And and so I, I just don't see that happen. I, I don't think – I think he's either going no more than two years or the long-term deal. I don't I don't think he would be looking for one of those middle-of-the-road deals. Um, I, I do think this could benefit the Dodgers because – one advantage the Dodgers have over a lot of teams is their TV deal. I mean, the Dodgers have over $300 million a year coming in just on their TV deal. Plus, they lead the league in attendance every year. And so if the Dodgers are somewhat confident that baseball is going to get somewhat back to normal next year, they have all the money in the world to spend, and and most teams don't. Uh, you know, the, a lot of the teams were getting off the market. The Yankees often big spenders they don't have room in their outfield for Mookie and they just spent a bunch on Garrett Cole uh, the Angels are paying between Mike Trout and Albert Pujols and Anthony Rendon they're paying a zillion dollars uh, you know they the Red Sox obviously just traded Mookie because they can't afford him so uh, it's it's hard to see anybody outbidding the Dodgers for him and and I think he will know that and I wouldn't be surprised at all I still think like I get more and more confident of this as time goes on that th- maybe the most likely scenario is after he gets a month or two of playing with the Dodgers, he says, you know what, let's let's sign this. Let's do this eight year, three hundred million dollar deal or whatever it is uh, and and just not even hit free agency. That's that's my best guess. Um, and I, I still think he'll get around three hundred million dollars uh whether it's eight or ten years, you know, depending on the average annual value and what they want to do. But uh, I think he's going to get paid, and I think it's going to be by the Dodgers. Yeah, if any team's able to throw out that kind of money still, even if either no baseball or no baseball fans this year, uh, it would be the Dodgers because they're they're still going to have you know forty to forty forty to fifty thousand every year after when fans are back. Plus, like I said, the TV deal. So. We'll see. Um, yeah. All right. So one uh, question I will take on real quick. At Tecate con Limon asks, how overpriced do you believe Micheladas will be once we're able to return to Dodger Stadium? Uh, they're already overpriced. So I don't know how much more overpriced you could be. I Honestly, the, the Dodger Stadium is going to go as high as people keep paying. Uh, you know, I think Micheladas right now are like 22, 23 bucks. And people still buy one or two a game. You know, a lot of a lot of different people. Uh, honestly, they're gonna try to get away with as much as they can. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we come back and next year and they're they're thirty they're thirty bucks. And I wouldn't be surprised if you still see people having one to two or more of those a game. So uh, yeah, they 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 seemingly have the people that drink beer by the by the by the neck on, on that kind of stuff um but one last question we had from from our our buddy john herrera at jm herrera atc he asked us about 
our thoughts on Dave Roberts and his job status. Uh, I think we both kind of know either, both of our thoughts on Dave Roberts, uh, but the, the job status is something maybe we haven't really talked about before. He did get the extension, uh, but as we've seen before, that doesn't really matter. But yeah, Jeff, where, where do you think he is on, on job status-wise? You know, if the Dodgers miss the playoffs, make the playoffs, lose in the playoffs, you know, it's kind of a couple scenarios out there. Yeah, I think his job status is about as secure as anybody's in baseball, um, simply because he's a very good manager, uh, especially the parts of managing that can't be taught. Um, you know, people skills wise, you can tell he is a great people person and his players love playing for him. And the the stuff, you know, you and I, I know I'm on record as saying that I think his game management skills are better than people give him credit for. Uh, in the last three postseasons, there are really only two two moves that I think were indefensible based on what I know. And even then, I'm allowing for the fact that maybe there were things he knew that I didn't, uh, although I think I w- we would have heard about them by now if there were. But, you know, the only two things I think he's done that are indefensible are having Kershaw pitch the eighth inning in game five last year and taking out Pedro Baez in favor of Alex Wood in game two in Boston. Uh, Every other move he's done, I know there's been controversial ones. There are questionable ones. There are arguable calls, but those are the only two I see as being indefensible. Everything else I either actively agree with, like taking Rich Hill out in game two of the 2017 World Series when the lefty masters were coming up for the Astros, uh, or at least I understand why, like taking Rich Hill out in game four against the Red Sox. Um, you know, there, there are plenty of things that are arguable, but really just a tiny handful of things that were definitely the wrong decision and those things you can learn from. And so, you know, I think Robert's value as a manager of people far outweighs any detriments he might have as a in-game manager. And I think he is also a pretty darn good in-game manager. Yeah, uh, I don't think anyone's that good in game manager, just because that's just the nature of the beast. Uh, you know, you make decisions; they don't work out. They do work out. It's kind of out of your hands once you make the decision. But yeah, he he's gotten better. Um, obviously, last year it hurt. I think I don't think there's any way Dave Roberts could get fired after this season. Unless there's something on the scale of the Kershaw thing again in a postseason game. Uh, And that would be, you know, just hard to kind of say face again if he did something to that extent. Uh, You know, didn't go to his bullpen when he needed to or, or, or whatever it was. If it was something of that grand mistake again i think that's the only way we we would not see dave roberts as the manager next year i think even if the dodgers miss the playoffs i think you know he's still safe in that sense um you know if the dodgers lose just because they got beat um you know he's still good in that sense because as we've seen it's hard to manage personalities uh you know dave dave roberts and, and gabe kapler were the two finalists for the job in in la and dave roberts you know, pretty much kind of like beating out the incumbent uh, in, a, in an election where Gabe Kapler all but had the job wrapped up until Dave Roberts stepped in and, and kind of took it out from under him. We saw Kapler have some issues in Philadelphia 
um, kind of managing a clubhouse, you know, managing a bullpen and everything else comes with, with how he, his style. Uh, but, you know, managing a clubhouse is, is not easy and not everyone can do it, especially the way the Dodgers handle things and, and with so many guys in platoons and everything else. I mean, how many times have we really heard anybody complain, even guys that have rights to complain about, you know, not getting playing time on, under Dave Roberts because, you know, he talks to the players and he lets it kind of be known what, what the role is going to be or what's going to happen or why certain things are happening. And that's something that it's, it's hard to not, re- it's, you can't, you have to respect it. And obviously the players respect it and they, they love playing for him. So yeah, I think job status is like I said, as secure as anyone else. I did. I do think, you know, one major October blunder would be the only way he, he'd be ousted after this year. Yep. Uh, all right, that'll do it for the questions. Um, we always accept questions, so you know you don't have to wait for us to put out a call if you ever want to put a question out there. Go ahead and do so. Um, Jeff, you got anything else before we head out for the week? Yeah, yeah just one quick thing. I uh, want to send out thoughts to uh, a couple people, a couple former Astros, actually, back when the Astros were not the most hateable team in baseball. Uh, Bob Watson passed away on Thursday. Uh, he played for the Astros for 14 years, total of 19 year career. Uh, he was the first black general manager in baseball history. I uh, were, uh, was a front office MLB front office guy for, uh, several years. And in 1975, he scored the one millionth run in MLB history. Uh, so he, I, he was 74 years old, had a long battle with, uh, I think it was kidney disease. Uh, I can't, I might be wrong on that, but, uh, I know it wasn't COVID related, but uh, so thoughts and prayers with, with Bob Watson's family and then with Art Howe, another former Astro who was born in 1946. Uh, he is 73 years old. He is currently battling COVID in the hospital. And obviously at that age, it's scary. He was a 11 year baseball veteran, managed several teams, was a main character in Moneyball, uh, did not come off looking very good in the movie Moneyball, um, but is by all accounts, one of the nicest guys in the game of baseball. And so our thoughts and prayers are also with him and his family. Yeah, definitely. uh, You know, thoughts and prayers out to everyone involved. All right. Thank you for listening to Locked on Dodgers. We will be back on Monday with a new episode for you all. Um, As we know, (laughs) with this with with this recent times we don't know exactly what we're going to talk about but we'll, we'll definitely be here talking about something and, and relating it to the dodgers um if you remember to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts apple included if you are if you have the capabilities rate and review on there as well tell your friends tell your family you know tell somebody in your world that who likes the dodgers that maybe is missing the dodgers a little more that you got a, a little fix for them that they can get once uh, every day. If you want to follow us on, on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Locked on Dodgers. You can find Jeff on Twitter at Snydog. You can find me at Vince Samperio. You can call or shoot us a text at 323-863-LOCK. Or you can shoot us an email, LockedOnDodgers at gmail.com. We're here every weekday morning, and we hope you'll be with us when you get in your car or if you're at home. Tell your smart device to play a podcast, Locked On Dodgers. And remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one. We'll talk to you on Monday. I say D-O, D-O-D-G-E-R-S. The team that's all heart. 
or Harden or Thumbs, they're my Los Angeles, your Los Angeles, our Los Angeles. Do you think we'll really win the pennant? Bye.